0: Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Everyone and welcome back to A Little Better. We are glad to be having a more normal episode with Drew and I back together this week. Uh, thank you guys for your patience and, and doing things a little bit differently last week. We felt like we did definitely want to address kind of some issues that came up in the message, but at the same time, uh, basically, what it comes down to is if you're watching the podcast right now, you can tell I'm not in my normal spot. And that is because Lauren and I are in Florida. And it was last week when we were supposed to be recording that I was on a plane. We got some standby plane tickets, which if you've ever flown standby means that you may or may not get on the plane. <laughs> so we're standing in the airport with our kids loaded up, carrying car seats, hoping that we will get on the plane. And thankfully we did. And we hope to also get home. But anyway, we're down in we're down in Florida. Uh, Lauren's family has a little place that we're visiting um, this week. And it's been a lot of fun. But if you hear resort sounding noises in the background. We are near Disney, but not at Disney. We're at the Disney for people who have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and who aren't going to pay to actually go to Disney. <laughs> but anyway, hey, thanks for your patience. And we're we're jumping into All Rise week one. And Drew, as I'm looking out and seeing, you know, I'm going to say it's 78 degrees, it might be 80, and people in bathing suits. What do you see out of your
1: window? Hmm. I don't want to talk about it. I'm in a dark place, church. I need prayer. I'm wearing a coat as you can tell inside. It just expresses how cold it is out there. Um so I'm going to you know be slow to speak like the word says because if I do speak, I just did a series on grace and I'll lose all my integrity. And my trust in you so <laughs> that is so next question <laughs> that is funny
0: although if you if anyone has ever traveled with young kids uh, you know that the reality is not the same as what you perceive your vacation to be. I was up at three o'clock this morning with Lincoln because he was jumping in his crib in the same room that Lauren and I are also sleeping in which means we were all awake at 3 a.m and I spent a few hours out on the couch with him so. It's never, it's never what it seems. <laughs> don't, don't let the eighty degrees fool you. But anyway, okay. So, all rise. You started off talking about Judge Judy, and I have to admit, just like in just about every other issue, it seems we're different. I don't know that I've ever seen an episode of Judge Judy. What is the? What does it say about me as a person? Fix me.
1: I don't know what it says about you. I mean, uh, yeah. It, I'll say this: it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, I, know your, I know your parents I know the family You grew up in And so That doesn't surprise me You know um, uh, Daytime Daytime court TV wonder What Judge Judy's like It's like the You know The bachelorette Except in a courtroom <laughs> so, I feel like
0: I, there's like some quotes of hers like is there stupid written across my forehead or something like I feel like that's a quote I've heard from Judge Judy but maybe I'm making that up it's from some other court show I mean don't get me wrong I watch <laughs> yeah. lame what'd you say I said she's definitely she's got to be Italian <laughs> she's got some spice. oh man I I feel like I, I'm not immune to like lame shows involving you know good guys, bad guys in the court system. Lauren and I like NCIS, which is about as lame as TV shows get. And I don't know which one is more scripted, Judge Judy or NCIS. They're probably equal amounts of scripting, but I don't know. I don't know. But okay, and also with jury duty, by the way, I got something in the mail the other day that like asked me to confirm something about my status as a resident of Monroe County. And I thought for sure it was a jury summons. But all I had to do was like, confirm something online from the county and it ended up being not a jury summons, but I thought for sure, I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm about to, I'm about to sit in on a court case. Did you feel like such a, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, I think I would feel super important if I was on a jury.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a weird, you do feel slightly important. Um, but also, like I said, on Sunday, there is a weight to it. That's like, Hmm, this is somebody's life, right? This mm. I you, you, physically look at that person. Right. You know, you hear from them. And so there's definitely some weight to it. I did that in Georgia, believe it or not. I was also called into jury duty in New York. So my second year in New York, I got a jury. I remember that. And that was a big case, like a murder case. And I was, I got down to like the final people and then they kicked me off. Mm. So I thought, I I thought I was going to be on jury duty for like a month. Wow.
0: So that would be interesting. I mean, like people's people do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird to think about, like, I just don't work for a month. um, And I go to go to court instead. But like, it's absolutely thing. And in many ways, obviously, such an honor and a privilege that our country is established in such a way that juries exist. Um, But yeah, it's it's a totally as I would think more people will ha- would have sat on jury duty. It seems like it is like oh, I got summoned, but I didn't sit, or it was only a couple of days, or something. To the like the thing you see on TV of like they're sequestered for six months, you know, like that just doesn't seem like it happens all that often. But maybe it's because I've been watching too much Judge Judy. I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. But yeah, actually, we uh, we were hoping as part of this series, I can't remember if we've talked about this before or not on the podcast, but we were hoping to record some title packages in a courtroom through this. And we had some various connections that we we were unable to make it work. COVID has, uh, COVID has restricted that. But um, in doing that, as we were preparing for it, I was helping write through some various scripts about... Uh, just the courtroom in general and the role of different attorneys and the judge and all these kinds of different things. And as I was doing that research, which was really fun, I was realizing like, yeah, I think I've watched too much TV because I don't think most of what I think about courtrooms. are accurate. I was just reading from like the bar association. That's where I was getting my research because I felt like that seems like a pretty credible place to go. And the more I was reading, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's, there's far too much TV going on. Uh, yeah, don't don't mistake my watching of NCIS for actual uh, understanding of the courtroom. Like some people I've seen bugs that say, like, don't confuse your Googling with my Bible degree or something like that. I don't know. There, there are probably every profession feels like they're a pro.
1: I got some validation uh, Sunday when I uh, a paralegal actually came up to me in the lobby and was like, hey, I'm so excited about the series. Great week one. I was like, OK, I didn't sound stupid or ignorant, like. <laughs> That seemed pretty right. Right. You know, I, I did some research, but more biblical, you know, criminal oh, case type stuff. So I was like, oh, we must have done something right. You know, so
0: that's hilarious. No, that is. I mean, anytime you're stepping out of your lane, you know, like obviously we we studied the Bible as our schooling. So when we're talking about something that's not the Bible, we want to tread lightly and we want to tread lightly even with the Bible. Like we're not we're not definitive. Uh, scholars on any issue, but I do think it certainly feels more comfortable to have uh, something of an opinion when it comes to your area of expertise. Anytime, like when we're talking about med- medical stuff, or even like we have series coming up related to depression or mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, it's always like, look, there's more going on here than just, I mean, the Bible has, we believe the Bible is sufficient, but at the same time, there are other disciplines that run across what the Bible has to say or have things to speak into it. And we never want to seem like we know it all. And that's definitely true. When it comes to this legal stuff if if our only source is judge judy we got a problem but um yeah we're doing our best here <laughs> to try to to try to make this work but um there were a few different things that came up that i i wanted to address the first one was just why a courtroom like as we're doing this series why is it that uh, you know we're not the first people to do something like this the the new testament is full of legal language and i just want to kind of step back and ask like, why is that what is it about the salvation image that seems to connect with a legal setting.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's relatable. So, you know, you're talking about a judge, God is a judge, we're gonna, you know, learn about that this week is, you know, we introduced two characters already, you know, the, the accused and the accuser, the prosecutor and the defense. Um, but, you know, I think it's very relatable, it puts it into um, a mindset that we get and we understand Um, Hmm. and you know, some of it is that that's how God chose to put it down, right? Correct. Yeah. God chose to record it that way. And so we're not coming up with really anything new. We're just, just showing you in scripture, how God chose to reveal the greatest story in history. And Hmm. I think when we look at it from the lens of a courtroom, I think it becomes clearer for us. I think why, that's why we chose the courtroom series is because we, we've, I've said it Sunday, we want to go after a deeper understanding, uh, a more clear understanding. So sometimes just going deeper is getting more clarity. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think we confuse, you know, deep teaching with like this mystical, I don't get it. I think deep teaching is actually just diving in deeper. So it becomes more and more clear to us. So that's kind of what we're after is this idea, man, that we could be, insanely guilty, but somehow treated as innocent members of God fa- God's family. And so a lot of the reasoning is God's, you know, I'm not going to take credit for what he did perfectly.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Like so many words associated with salvation, justice, righteousness, forgiveness, atonement, propitiation. <laughs> These are all words that have not just like a casual connection to the courtroom. They are literal legal terms. You know, they, That Paul in particular uh, uses explicitly legalese language to convey ideas. Because, and the other thing is like the justice system, as flawed as it is, both in our society and in Paul's society, and I mean, it was flawed in ancient Israel as well, you know, those are. The justice system, even though it's flawed, is something that God created. You know, like human institutions of things like the government, things like the family, these are things that God, God created. He didn't, we didn't just like randomly come up with these things. And so, as a result of that, there's a connection between a legal setting and our relationship to God because He's already established human society to function in a particular way. So, um, anytime the human system is doing judicial work, it's always trying to reflect a perfect pursuit of truth and justice and grace, which is an embodiment of who God is. So in some sense, it's all just a reflection of who God is, how he's revealed himself and the literal language of the New Testament. So it would be like when you did the series Chosen about Malachi's adoption. Um, The adoption lens is one that the New Testament gives us, not one that you were just like, oh, this would be a cool picture. It's like one of the primary metaphors of the New Testament and really even the Old Testament of redemption. And so... um, we're just trying to riff off of that and trying to make it as real as possible. And obviously a courtroom didn't look exactly like in the first century, like it does today, but there are relatable themes that we can try to connect
1: to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly the point. We're just trying to, the, the sweetness about the gospel is you can look at it from multiple lenses and get a, a deeper understanding of it. And a courtroom is one of those lens, you know, you know, orphans and, you know, redemption is another lens. And so, um yeah it's just it's cool I think this series is going to be a lot of fun the hardest part is just not giving it away right like (laughs) working methodically through a case like I felt so almost like naked just leaving it there like will that be enough to convince the judge if I had an hour and a half I'd finish this for you guys just so you know if I had an hour and a half I would have totally kept going (laughs) but my call yeah it's like
0: it's time we, we always joke it's like there are series like this where you know it's either something you explain in one message in its entirety but just like very summarized so this is this four-week series called "I'll rise is either a one-week
1: series where you say the whole thing
0: or a four-week series where at no point do you say the whole thing
1: and so it ultimately it's a little one bit, message panned out in four weeks Yes, because
0: if it were one message, it would be enormously too long. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's a tough tension. Um, But I do think, and we've talked about it before, like, I think that there's some, even from a pastor's perspective or from a planning perspective as leaders, there's some humility in not giving all the answers, quote unquote, in any one week. Just recognizing that, like, ministry is not accomplished in, in individual moments in people's lives. Not to say that moments play no part, but, like, God begins a good work in people and he will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. And like, it takes a long time. It takes more than one Sunday. You'll never understand the whole gospel in one Sunday. So recognizing that limitation and saying like, okay, I'm taking you to this point and next week we'll pick it back up. And you know, God's the one who's got to be at work in people's lives to help them engage with this, all of this content.
1: Yeah. One thing I'm learning even in preaching is sometimes Asking the question rather than telling somebody what to do is more powerful than actually, you know, it's a question oftentimes motivates somebody to think introspectively and motivates them at the same time to do their own digging, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm actually a better leader when I motivate people to think and do rather than just, hey, repeat this, right? Do Mm -hmm. this and you'll look the part. When your mind comes along with your heart, it's a powerful thing, right? Because you've got both body parts, right? Obviously, the heart yeah. is more important, but the mind has to go there because if there's a disconnect, a lot of people so people go with the mind and they miss the heart or they, they go with the heart and they don't have any backing from the mind. And I think when you can right. move the heart and the mind at the same time, I think that's a power of a question is it moves your mind and it transitions into your heart. It's a powerful mm-hmm.
0: thing. Yeah, that's great and I you know you left us with that question of like will it be enough we're sitting in the courtroom we know we're guilty we tried our three approaches that we're going to talk about in a second like we tried to hide we tried to blame and then we tried to like bribe or and you know pay it back or overcome it with good and then we sit there exposed wondering okay like what's what's the judge going to say is it going to be enough and that's a you know, most of the time as Christians, we do rush to, we know how the story ends. We know how salvation works, et cetera, especially if you've grown up in church. And so you don't ever just pause to say like, okay, no, but for seriously, think about this. This is the human response. So like, what would you do if, if, you know, you were frozen in time and you had to think about this? That's what we're asking you to do this week is just think about what it would be like. Much like, um, you know, every once in a while, we take an opportunity to say like, okay, the disciples on Saturday, okay, Jesus crucified on Friday. They're sitting there on Saturday. They don't know the resurrection is coming. They think that their leader is dead. Just sit with them in that day and erase what you already know. That's such a difficult discipline to think like what goes through a person's mind because we just watch history. We unfold. It all looks like it was in one moment because we have hindsight working for us. So in that salvation process, it's kind of a similar thing. You're asking us to like pause. You're not rescued yet. (laughs) There is no Jesus. There is no propitiation. There is no Jesus, our advocate. You're just sitting there saying, will it be enough? And these tensions and fears and anxiety. So I think that's a, that's a cool and compelling question to leave us with. And you described, we are talking about the accused and the accuser. We are the accused. We are the ones standing guilty in court. And then there's the accuser, which you talk about being our enemy, Satan, the devil, um, who loves to accuse the brethren. You did talk about a Greek term. I know that we had talked about, maybe you wanted to nuance a little bit of one of those terms that you use there. So why don't you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah. So on Sunday, actually, I made a mistake, believe it or not. It happens all the time. Usually I don't own up to it. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so just keep
0: talking. Just keep talking.
1: What's interesting about these messages is because we write, you know, nine, 12 weeks in advance. I'm obvious. A lot of times Monday morning, I'm refreshing myself on what I wrote. And so when I read Revelation 12, it obviously talks about the accuser. And under, under that, one of my notes was like, hey, Greek word Diablos. You know, used 35 times in the New Testament. And I interpreted that as that was that word. It's actually not, it's the word Kate Gore. What I was saying is when we use the Greek word, so the Greek word for the devil is Diablos. And guess what that word means? accuser one of the ways to define it is accuser and so just to bring some clarity there really what i said is all accurate other than the actual greek word in revelation 12 it's Kate gore it's not Diablos, but Mm -hmm. Diablos refers to the devil who is our accuser so it all kind of pans Mm -hmm. out together but i misread my own notes just revealing to everybody i'm getting older i need to wear these on stage honestly is like (laughs) excuse me everybody i think you know that's funny I just want to bring it. clarity to that. If anybody was, you know, digging a little bit deeper, they might be like, "Wait, I thought Drew said this." I did say that, and I was inaccurate. And I wanted to bring some more clarity to that.
0: I'm sure many people bring their Greek New Testaments with them, and they check in Revelation 12, and they're like, "What is this guy saying?" So, <laughs>
1: no, and there, I love that there are people who actually do that, <laughs> and that's how. No, there are people. Goes. I guarantee you, who are like, mm. you know, some for some people that just intrigues them. Um, but yeah, the point 100%. was he is the prosecutor. He's the guy bringing the accusations and pressing them against us to ultimately get us a guilty verdict.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not even just a New Testament concept. The, the actual word Satan um, in English is a transliteration of a Hebrew word Satan, which just means the accuser, which when taken into Greek was often translated as Diablos. So, these are all related terms. So whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, the idea of someone, you know, Job bringing an accusation or in Zechariah, there's an there's an accuser. These are all the Satan, sometimes even said the Satan, the accuser, Satan or Diablo. So anyway, the, the, I, I know we wanted to talk that through a little bit of just the reality and the fact that we do have an accuser. And I think we're going to be talking in an upcoming series about the conscience. And that gets a little tricky at times because God has given us a conscience that does condemn us and remind us of what's right and wrong. That condemnation is sometimes called conviction because there's a difference between condemnation and conviction, but we should. There are going to be times when a charge is brought against us that's actually God's spirit in our heart saying, you did the wrong thing. (laughs) And that's not the same thing as the condemnation that we receive from our accuser who is saying, you're cursed, you can't have a relationship with God and you should experience punishment that's different than I know I've done the wrong thing. And now I'm bringing that reality to the one who I know will forgive me, you know, conviction and condemnation are different and we'll be the next, we'll be talking about that a lot over the next couple of weeks and months. But um, we definitely, I think none of us are arguing with the reality that we have an accuser because we all feel that.
1: Yeah. Yep. No doubt.
0: So um, the last thing I kind of want to touch on here is you described the response of those who are being accused. When you looked at Genesis three, the three responses are we hide we blame and we try to bribe. Um, I loved that bribe idea, I think, in particular because we're talking about a court that has such a, I think that's such a resonance. But in Genesis 3, we, we, we see those things played out and in human nature, same way. Um, and so I, was, I wanted to say we can talk a little bit about like, which of those do you tend to do the most? If you, I mean, I think we all do all of them. But like, do you have a tendency in your life to hide, to blame or to try to bribe? which of those do you lean towards? I'll answer that. And then we'll, we'll see what we observe in the world too.
1: Yeah. I want to say I lean towards good deeds. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm pretty good at owning my mistakes, obviously not when I was in high school. Right. But um, you know, I just, anytime I do something wrong, I'm like, okay, I'll just do something good to make up for it. Right. Like I just want to smooth it over. And so like, I just think I'll, I'll be more, acceptable to God, because obviously he's disappointed in me. And so I know I did this wrong, but don't worry, I'll do extra credit at, at, on this. And like, this should smooth it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not necessarily trying to trick God. I just, I want to make, I want to please God. And I feel like when I disappoint him, I, you know, when I fail, I want to do something so he notices that and it kind of makes it better. And it's like, no, he's already got that covered. I, I can't do that. Like, I'm not, I'm not changing my status by doing really good things. And God's like, yeah, that was okay. But wow, you did all these things. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably the one I slip into. 100%. And I would agree.
0: I think anybody who made, I, I was going to say grew up in church, but I don't even think that that's necessarily true. I think anybody who's following Jesus and wants to please him with their life is probably going to slip into a performance-based acceptance model at some point where like, I know I did a thing. And since I did a thing, I want to do a better thing and I want to overcome evil with good, but in the wrong sense, like I want my bad to be outweighed. And so I want to add good to it. Um, and that's, it seems like a good instinct, because I think in some ways, relationally, like person to person, that isn't a necessarily a bad instinct because you don't have unconditional love and acceptance from everyone around you. So if you do something that hurts someone, it's good to go to them and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Let me do this for you. Da, 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 like fix it relationally. And that's a, that's a decent instinct in, in normal relationships. But with God, what it does is it totally misunderstands the entire premise of our relationship with God. It's just never been about what we do. And so... Um, it's all about the fact that we have to recognize that there's nothing we can do to make him love us anymore or any less than he already does. So that sin didn't make us him love us less. Our good doesn't make us, him love us anymore. And so just like erase that entire paradigm. Um, but I definitely, I mean, that's hundred percent what I slip into is a more legalistic mindset. And, um, I think person to person, I would want to hide my sin before I would want to blame it. Um, I would, I would be more inclined to just like, make sure nobody even finds out about this, mm-hmm. but because with God, I, he already knows I'm definitely in the like, well, I'll, I'll make it up to you. I'll make it up to you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, I think that's the, the thing, the hard thing about bribing is it, it becomes a slippery slope where not only do I, when I do bad, I do good, but then I use my good against God where I'm like, Hey, I did this and I want this. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. I, it becomes a slippery slope for me where I, you know, I now I'm doing more good and there's no bad. I'm like, all right, yeah, the cowboys should win this weekend. Do you see all the good I did? <laughs> you know, I, I figured it takes a little sure to get the cowboys to win. So I'm like, okay, God, I preach a good message. I read my Bible all week. Like, let's go, Cowboys win. You know, and then we yeah. use it against God. And again, that's mm-hmm. standard. Doesn't change with God. He, you can't do that to get His love or His blessing in your life, right? It's just mm-hmm. that's He wants to give you those things. He's already yeah. giving them. So, and that,
0: like, waiting to see if you're going to get the retribution. You know, the, the tension you left us in at the end of this message is like I did something wrong. Like, like I'm going to get punished. You know that, like, that whole thing is just we're on the wrong foot. You know what I mean? And that's what the rest of the series is going to make clear: is that like the judge says, no, totally guilty, hundred percent guilty. And, and and more than guilty, it's worse than you even think. Cause I can think of a million examples that you didn't even know were wrong. So you're way more guilty than you could possibly realize, but you're also as a result of my pouring out of the punishment on someone else, you're also more accepted than you can possibly imagine. More accepted than you would have dared to ask for, you know what I mean? Cause, and, and we'll get to that. That's the whole mercy and grace distinction, but I, I feel like we're getting into next week. So I'm going to let it go.
1: Yeah. You're out a little bit. <laughs> oh
0: man. So, Hey, what's, let's wrap this up next week. We're going to get into the judge. Correct. That's our, that's our next character Yeah, and that should be great. And just so you know, this entire time I kept my concentration, but there was a massive raccoon like right over there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking over there like, Oh my goodness, this thing's going to come onto this little porch. Hallelujah. It did not probably because i was good you know lord i was is lord is good <laughs> and so he paid me back by keeping the raccoon the porch, <laughs> just joking anyway everybody thanks for listening thanks for tuning in we are excited to uh, be able to continue in the series leading up to easter make sure we're living in Pi squared and making those invites looking forward to uh, what god might do on that special sunday no matter what campus you come to there's an easy way to invite thanks everybody thanks for listening thanks drew we'll see you guys next time